0: One of the reasons why I started the Star Parent Podcast back in 2020 was because I needed some out, an outlet for me to be creative and also to share some of my thoughts about parenting and also rewrite some narratives in my mind about parenting. And having an opportunity to talk to so many different people about their creative styles and their spiritual path and journey in this life has allowed me to attract Ann Celeste and Megan Bradley to be a part of the Star Parent Podcast and help it to grow into what it is forming right now. Some of the topics we're going to discuss today are about About the parents checking their own bias and their own, you know, attitude towards the subject and how it makes them feel and going deeper into their past and their experiences and how it impacted them so they can see what lenses they're looking through and speaking through from their children. I wanted to point out that children usually come to their own conclusions based on their own logic. Mm -hmm. And we all know that our own logic is flawed. So children are seeing the world through their lens at that particular um, development. And we know by the age of like four years old, a child has already started to develop gender bias so i thought creating the environment to have discussions about gender from a very very early age because we know that gender has a lot to do with the way we we interact sexually and because we're not taught from a very young age we assume all these stereotypes about what you know a black woman is supposed to look like is she supposed to be sexy can she be smart and sexy how do we you know encourage uh, teens to develop their own sexual identity so I wanted to talk about these types of things and like raising our children to see through the biases in our in our society in our media so that they can start to develop healthier understandings of their own body their own functions their own feelings I also wanted to talk about how we don't um science is it because we, us- we usually talk about sex through the scientific the biological reproductive systems and all that stuff, but we don't talk enough about the social, the the emotional, social-emotional aspect of it. And that's the part that science has kind of failed us because, you know, a lot of people can agree that sex can be a spiritual expression of love. And it's heightened depending on what level you're at in your own development. And for a teenager experiencing sex for the first time, that can completely create a whole new reality of what they think love is. So it's just having these conversations, these small little in, intimate conversations with your children regularly so that you can, you know, start to see where they see where they're at. What how are they seeing the world? How do they view themselves as sexual creatures?
1: yeah I think that's great I think those topics are super important good good good. I think the idea of like media literacy and like gender roles like yeah like when you go into Walmart and you go shopping for children's clothing like it's segregated right yeah into boys and girls and like children and parents are impacted by that and if you don't create a narrative with your family the collective narrative will get imposed
0: on you yes exactly I yeah. like that. Create a narrative with your family.
1: Yeah. I mean, I as somebody who like myself, like I don't talk about very often like being kind of non-binary and like having like a masculine side and a feminine side, but like that's how I understand myself, you know, and like I want children to grow up with that freedom of like, you know, you don't you don't have to fit into like the world's kind of boring. <laughs> we can be mm-hmm. more creative with our yeah. expression than you know, this side
0: and that side. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. It's a beautiful, bright, sunny morning here in Montreal. And we are so thankful that you're here listening to the star parent podcast today, Lorraine, myself and Celeste Eitzen are going to be talking about creating a healthy environment for your children to talk about sexuality and all things related Especially social emotional connections. So yeah, we're just having these conversations to normalize it, to make it more, to more more real, so that we can really deal with our own feelings as we're going through this path with our children. Thanks for listening. Thank you for
1: suggesting such a complex and interesting topic.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just, I was listening to a podcast earlier and I kind of got, um, I guess, inspired by the fact that, you know, we talk so much about the science-based information regarding, you know, sex education for children, like the biological parts of it all. But for me, what I'm finding so fascinating, okay, I'm going to be completely honest here. I have been completely indulging myself in the Netflix series, Love is Blind. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you've seen I know it the series. Yeah, yeah. So there's the American version, the Brazilian version, and the Japanese version. And I have to say, the Japanese version is on point. It's so amazing because they focus so much on the social emotional developments of the relationship. And I just feel like we don't do that enough with our children. Is teach our children about the social emotional build up to sex to our to our sexuality to the way things make us feel to the thing exploring our bodies and I kind of wanted to talk to parents about that today about creating that environment where your child feels safe and free to be to express their sexuality
1: absolutely it's and also for parents to be able to understand how they can support themselves
0: yeah. through
1: that what comes yeah. up for them um and yeah i think you talk talking about setting up the environment how can we normalize it and make the environment conducive to exploration um because children get curious before parents might be ready
0: <laughs> well that, like i was saying earlier like you know children come to their own conclusions based on their own logic and we all know our logic is flawed because it's all based on our own perspective so it's really important to have these little conversations with our children every every any time we can little short conversations about how they perceive the world how they see themselves and others like you made this really great point earlier and just about clothing you know you go to shop for your children and depending on gender there's it's segregated it's separated you have to go to one part of the store for the girls clothes and one side of the store for the boys clothes but it's and it sends such a bad message about identity yeah you know also we we say
1: we don't want children to be sexualized and yet commercialism (laughs) and fashion like does really sexualize right children's clothing sometimes and very I don't I don't know if you've seen like sometimes it's like really like that's not practical for a toddler who's barely walking you know what i mean um Mm. but it's and it's not chosen it's not it's chosen for us right by a group of people who have deemed like this is what the public needs and how can we encourage families to create their own expression right what kind of activities do you do with your children you know what um images do they like what toys do they like and can you base what clothes they wear around those interests versus on you know pink is for girls and blue is for boys
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I mean that's just having these conversations and normalizing it it's mean we are raising our children to see through the bias in the everyday and to change these things that are inappropriate and 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 not talked about or not not we're not changing them right away because we don't see the impact that it has on the way we see ourselves as people, yeah. especially, especially, I mean, okay. I say, especially for women, I guess I, cause I'm biased because I'm female, I identify as female, but I just feel like we're so set up. Women are so set up to be, have low self-esteem. You know, it's been proven. There's been so many studies And UCLA. They've done some studies about how, women, how girls are treated towards math and how boys are treated towards math. I mean, if if a boy gets a good grade on a math exercise, it's like, oh, you're just smart. But if a girl gets the same grade on a math score, like, oh, you must've studied really hard. It's like these ideas that we're just lacking and we see it in our our media and eventually we just have these low self-esteem and then eventually you become a teenager and you blossom and you realize that you're getting so much more attention for just your physical appearance that we end up putting more emphasis on our physical appearance as women. And maybe I'm being biased, it's happened to me, like I had my son at 15, so there's no, there's no uh, mystery there that I was, I was sexual in my teens and I, I relied heavily on my appearance to express myself because I didn't have that, that confidence that Mm. comes from from within, right? Mm. And developing our child's inner confidence from a very young age is going to help to shape their identity, their sexual identity. Absolutely. As they get older, yeah.
1: I have to say that, like, I wasn't sexual until my later teens, like 17, 18. Um, But I wasn't a lot of, like, male spaces like or I was in all-girls school but I always grew up like being able to do things with my dad or like I was quite mechanical so like Mm -hmm. I was kind of the man of the house for my grandparents physically demanding labor that had to be done in the household like I did that as a teen but when I had my first job like it was very uncomfortable because Like I got teased or like the men at work were very uncomfortable with like a 17 year old who could hold her own and not just like a pretty face as a cashier at the front of the store, you know, and in some ways I feel lucky because I had some self-confidence to be like, yeah, my body is, is, is one thing, but I want my mind and my skills to be recognized first. Mm -hmm. And there was something, I guess, in my upbringing that must've helped me feel confident in that you know I also pushed back my grandma would be like oh look at my granddaughter she's so beautiful and I was like and what else am I
0: like mm, I love that
1: I was like you know my little obstinate teen self was like and and what other words do you have to describe me that are a little bit more interesting mm. <laughs> you know because I don't always feel like a girl I don't always feel pretty it's like if you think I'm smart if you think I'm you know strong if you think I'm, you know, clever or funny. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's such a great way to build up one's self-esteem. And especially from the people that we care about hearing words that have an impact on our spirit. It's, 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 it's crucial. Like I was, when you were saying that, I kept on thinking about boys, you know, how do we build up our, our male confidence, like in, in sexual roles because most guys have, what, access to porn and, like, a, like regular people, social media. And, like, how do we teach our boys to be lovers? We don't. No, we don't. I yeah. mean, the number
1: of, like, teenage, teenagers, both boys and girls or other genders who have... Not so great for sexual encounters because they're smoking pot or they're having to get really drunk because nobody knows how to be a lover. It's about sex. Hi, mm-hmm. you know, because no one teaches about pleasure. No one wants to talk to teenagers like, okay, like how, you know, well, 14 is too young. Well, 13 is too young. Well, 15 is too late. So, yeah,
0: exactly. And also the biases, too. Like, honestly, I think I was maybe about nine or 10. I can't remember but I remember I was prepubescent and I re- remember someone sharing that the cultural bias about Asian men that stereotype mm-hmm. about Asian men having small genitalia and that stuck in my mind for like, pretty much since then and I've always believed that and it's not true but I believed it because I heard it when I was young and the social media and the and and and, and ads that Television, and comedy, jokes, and, jokes exactly. Yeah, of course, of course. Reinforces that. <clears throat> and on the flip side, it also reinforced who I am. Like, I'm, supposed to, I'm a Jamaican female. I'm supposed to be great at dancing. I'm supposed to be bootylicious. I'm supposed to have attitude. Like, you know what I mean? And I I fed into that too, right? I believed that and created a Lorraine around that persona. So it's so, so important that we, like, if we can have those little minute conversations about stereotypes and biases that are out there floating around that you know there aren't true and you don't even know if your child knows them or not, but just see what they know. See what they know. Yeah. yeah. Because if you don't
1: create your own narrative about gender and sexuality with your children, society will create one for them and it probably won't be a very good or healthy one, right? Like yeah like porn is super accessible and not a very good narrative you know right. yeah um, and it's okay like I remember you know luckily like um in the type of Jewish family that I had there wasn't a big taboo around sex which is nice mm. right because in other cultures like you don't talk about sex now in right. some very religious communities you also don't talk about sex but my particular one my grandma was like she was, she was part of what helped me create that narrative. She's like, if somebody ever touches you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, sometimes you just have to look at them and point a finger at them and say no, you know? And it was nice. like very... And she told me experiences of, like, someone trying to fondle her on a bus or having been flashed and, like, to say, like, you have to be careful of what's out, what's out there. But, you know, she said, like, sex is a beautiful thing and... You know, she also yeah. has her biases, right? At one point, she's like, if a guy ever tells you to put your mouth on him, you, you know, no. I love you, Grandma, <laughs> but we're different when it comes to that. For
0: <laughs> you know?
1: And, and luckily, though, that didn't um, create shame or weirdness for me. I kind of understood, like, that's something she, like, when that became an option, I was like, okay, I... I'm comfortable with this. This isn't a degrading, humiliating act the way she was raised to think it was. Mm-hmm. But it's okay to have different... Children will come up with their own ideas and opinions about things, or teenagers. Yeah. But safety, for sure, is important, like, to, to talk to children about. Like, she was a really great educator for me, but in my younger years, I only moved in with her when I was 11. Like, I did have early sexual hood trauma, I was very young, like four and a half, five. And I think what happened is like I was going through like a sexual curiosity. And there wasn't a lot of conversations or small Mm -hmm. talks that happened. So I wasn't told, hey, if you're going to touch yourself, if you're going to rub against things, like you got to do that alone. Go get comfortable. Go find a pillow. Set yourself up up in your bedroom. I was younger. I had... I had, I had a trauma um, and I think like understanding as an adult, like I was going through a little bit of a sexual curiosity as a four and a half, Mm five-year-old and, you know, children masturbate. And they experience experience pleasure. pleasure. And we have to have conversations with them about how to do that safely and where to do that, not to do it in public you know, not to do it with other people, right? Because there's Mm -hmm. no way that they can consent. And I've seen other people beautifully have those conversations with their children, you know, saying like, here's your place to go to town and explore yourself, but it's not something you do outside of the house. It's not something Mm -hmm. you do with other people. Right. And it's really important to, to have those conversations because children are very innocent right and -hmm. and there are some creeps out there unfortunately you know so without yeah without terrifying our children we want to help them learn how to protect themselves
0: yeah that's a big fear of mine and it's something that I try so hard not to think about or manifest because I was sexually abused as a child and uh, by a family member and I worry about that so much With Sparrow, because there's so much of his care that's out of my control, because I'm not—I am co-parenting, and um, I wouldn't even call it co-parenting right now, but I hope to get there. So right now, I don't have control about who is taking care of Sparrow when he's with his father. I have no idea who changes his diaper, and when we're when Sparrow's with me, and we have—I have child—I have caregivers that come in to help me, but. I tend to do the diaper changing and uh, like his intimate, intimate practices because I want him to have that security with me. And I also don't want him to feel like it's something for everyone. Do you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like he knows that we're going downstairs, we're going to change diaper and so-and-so is going to wait upstairs and we're all come back upstairs after, after that. And yeah, I don't,
1: especially yeah. at his age, right? Because he's almost 2 exactly. and there's more consciousness around it, right? And you know when they're 3 months or 6 months like they don't necessarily know as much, but at this age it's like before potty training like you know, who does potty training with me or you know, um I know that like I have had to take other people's children to the bathroom, right? And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. like i'm there's a way to do that so you're not looking up under their dress or like mm-hmm. okay like do you need me to come in do you want me to stand outside like mm-hmm. you know and to model those safe things um but yeah it's 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 scary world because we have lived through a total lack of presence right and we know maybe in a a times where we really let children be a bit more free and unsupervised 30 40 years ago and we're trying to find the balance now of like okay like how do I not get too anxious but still set up some good practices and and conversations right at some point to say to our children hey like I want you to take care of yourself you know because 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 I wish I had learned that when I was a child. And have those small conversations and help build that narrative.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The two words that keep coming up is communication and confidence. When you build your child's inner confidence, they will know when something feels good and when they don't, and it doesn't feel good. And they'll have that confidence to stand up and and leave or get away or say no or redirect, you know, it's, it's, it's all about how good you feel about yourself. And yeah,
1: I mean, I think that really comes back to the parents' experiences too, right? Yeah. Like parents have to feel confident and comfortable in having these conversations,
0: Yeah, you know?
1: And what about dads changing daughters or talking to them about their periods? Or, you know, I, I know a mom who, who was like, had never really spent so much time looking at a little penis before, you know? and. Mm-hmm had so much shame cycling around like am i having perverted thoughts like what's wrong with me because it was
0: just new for her because she grew up with a different body you yeah know? absolutely like i feel kids okay so sparrow's not circumcised and i know that i think by the age of two and a half it's it's the point where i might be saying this wrong but the for, that's when the foreskin can actually go back like right, mm-hmm. it has so I'm always so scared when I'm cleaning him, like, am I, is this hurting you? Like, should I be even touching this area? So I kind of just left that alone and like let dad deal with that. But we've had, we haven't had that conversation. Like how are we maintaining this penis situation? Like I just kind of like, I talk about the penis, but I don't really know anything else about, you know, like sometimes in the morning he'll have an erection and I'll say, I'll say to him, wow, your penis is going up. We have to be careful because he's peed in his face before sitting <laughs> on the body. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just like What's going on? I'm like, we have to push your penis down. And so I'm afraid to do it because I don't know if it's hurting him. And so it's so it's, and I know it's me. Like I'm the one who's awkward with it. Like I should be taking some intro to sexuality courses for toddlers at this point, you know, just so I can, be normalizing and and even though I've worked with so many children I still feel that awkwardness talking about penises with my my almost (laughs) two-year-old yeah yeah
1: and like great for you to model to our listeners too Hey, like you're going through this experience and yeah like there's probably support like you might do that to investigate yourself like what is the healthy way to like clean you know what I mean like yeah um so, and where do people get that information when, you know, maybe like the dad is circumcised and made a different choice for his child? And both parents were like, we're going in blind here. We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, but we're, and we're a bit uncomfortable and awkward. But as soon as you name that and you can kind of laugh about it, the power gets lost. And it's like, okay, your health and your well being is important. And sometimes in life, some conversations are going to be awkward. Some conversations (laughs) are going to be weird. And I know when I work with teenagers, I really, really normalize that. I'm like, please lean into the weirdness of your sexual experience. Like, it's okay to laugh during sex, Mm -hmm. you know? It's okay to be like, this is like, kind of bizarre and allow for those things to happen like you'd have to be performing you know yes
0: exactly I had one teacher say to us in the most lovingest way she said sex is the most it's dirty it's smelly it's sweaty it's gross it's love and the way she said it was just like so raw I was like yeah absolutely right that it's all of that yes and, uh, yeah yeah
1: one thing you had talked to me before which i think would be really we can wrap up with maybe mm-hmm. is more like talking to teens but even to younger children as well the difference between the scientific lens and the social emotional aspect
0: oh yeah totally i mean that's just the thing it's a science is so far behind when we're talking about the social emotional uh, connection with sex. I mean, a lot of people see that as a spiritual expression of love. And right now science is just explaining the biological parts of it. And yes, there's the hormones and chemicals that are reduced when we we, we reach certain amounts of pleasure. But again, it's examined on a science base. It's not the, how do, how do we feel? Does that make us? want to commit does that make us want to open up more like all these things that we we as adults haven't normalized yet to talk within ourselves so that we can talk about it with our children so for me I just thought one of the best ways to start creating an environment for your children is having a good social emotional connection with your child so that they feel free to talk about what's going on in their life. And I, I wrote down using music, you know, in passing, you know, in the grocery store or in the lobby or whatever, we'll, we'll hear songs that have suggestions and we could talk to our children about what, what that means to them. And then breaking it down, if you choose to, at th- that time or next, what, what it what it means to you. Um, I think it's just important that we normalize like, emotional connection, what's needed to build a, a relationship. And it's so much more than the physical. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's two things I'm hearing in what you're saying, one is like, how to understand bodies outside of a sexual space, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that does kind of go back to biology of like, this part of you deals with digestion or like mm-hmm. the chakras, right? Like yes. this part of your body also was where you feel creativity And excitement, Mm. like, this is the parts of your body that help you stay strong for athleticism. So they can celebrate their bodies, not just as sexual things, but, like, creative things and and strong and physical things. And then absolutely to kind of say, what's your communication and your friendship like with this person that you're wanting to explore physically? Like, can you laugh together? Can you problem-solve? an argument together, you know, like, do you feel trust with them? Like, I think, you know, sex involves a lot of trust. And we don't necessarily educate in that way of of saying, hey, you know, I got really uncomfortable and in my head and I trust you enough to tell you. That can make sex incredibly good, you know, Mm -hmm. for adults, right? And it's not about it's about the emotional part and we're not saying like you know in I don't know I think there have been tropes in the societal narratives of like wait until you have a
0: romantic moment Mm. I'm
1: not talking about romance I'm talking about friendship and love cross-gender
0: friendships I think that's what I'm hearing developing that because we don't like you went to an all-girls school so you know how to bond with females But you probably Mm -hmm. didn't really learn that till later on. I mean, you had the experience with your father, but with peers, you know, we we get sometimes we get robbed of these experiences. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I
1: didn't. I yeah, female relationships are probably more complex for me because (laughs) going to an all-girl school was a bit traumatizing. There's a lot of bullying. There's a lot of Mm. a lot of issues because it wasn't. And I always needed like guys around. I always felt like. Yeah, me more, too more of a more of a guy too like me too and and you know when I was growing up there was no term for being non-binary there was no term for being genderqueer and maybe androgynous yeah but I, I question like what would it be like for me now with those terms I think I would say hey like I don't I'm gender like I'm not even sexual yet I was a bit of a late bloomer with my sexuality I was like I didn't want to feel sexualized and still have moments where I'm just like, I don't want that. And why mm-hmm. can't we empower children and teenagers to say, hey, I've got too much going on in my plate right now. I don't want to be put into this category forced in. So, but I think as parents and as community workers, like we can change the narrative for the younger generations to, to empower them. Like my my sister's eldest um, you know I'm female at birth like my niece Mm -hmm. uses she they pronouns and like doesn't really and like will say like I don't really know what my gender is yet I'm just turning 18 like I need more time Mm -hmm. to figure it out like and I don't I don't I don't know yet and it can change in different contexts and I think that that's so lovely yeah that's an option and that they're uh, yeah. still saying I'm not fully formed
0: I'm still growing I wish I had a, a response when people ask me because I dress Sparrow pretty gender neutral and there's sometimes like even in the winter people will be like is, is he a boy or a girl and I'll, sometime, I'll sometimes I'll say he's a boy and then I catch myself going I don't know how I feel about that I remember in the summertime I would say I don't know yet I don't know <laughs> what he is yet That's I don't know dog. what they are yet yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know absolutely absolutely and and also are the people asking that question going to be the type of people who are open to that conversation right right Right. because somebody
0: who is a bit more open is
1: not going to ask that question what does it matter you know
0: exactly and why should I be having a conversation about my child's gender to a complete stranger at the park in front of my child like I just don't I don't feel comfortable with that like there's just some things we should keep within but yeah. It's, it's such a weird, weird world. I mean, not weird, just different. It's so different from the way I raised Theodore. That's why I'm so excited to be a parent again. Because even though I have this wealth of knowledge, all this experience, I'm doing it again. And I'm starting from ground zero. <laughs> in a different time.
1: In a totally yeah, in a different, different time. Time. Yeah. context. And I love how you dress him in, in whatever you want. Like you are changing the narrative there where it's yeah, like, hey, these clothes are free. I do.
0: Or absolutely <laughs> he's drawn to this color
1: or. yeah
0: He loves pink. He like, like lo- Megan's daughter, Lydia has given Sparrow a lot of her clothes and Sparrow loves them. Oh my gosh. Anything with sparkle or pink, he's down. So I like it's in his, it's in his wardrobe and he loves it. I'm like, why, why, why not? Why not? encourage that yeah and just not assign any like i
1: think also when we're talking about having these small conversations and creating these narratives it doesn't have to be fixed it doesn't right. have to be overly pathologized or diagnosed it's like that's how you're feeling today great we don't have to make any yep. decisions about that yes right now we don't have to put you in a box one we don't have to fight a system either like we're expanding and you know because I think sometimes when people feel like they have to fight to say well you know I want to encourage my child to be on this side of the spectrum it's like mm-hmm. they have the whole spectrum to themselves like yeah they'll figure it out with or without us but we can help them just say keep it open I mean I came out to my grandmother when I was 14 as bisexual and she mm-hmm. was like you know you have had a you've had you're having your first intimate feelings about a girl that you like because you're around girls all the time she's like I think that's great and good for you you don't have to label yourself you Mm. you can still if you decide in a few years when you're more around boys that you like boys too that's okay like at 14 you don't have to define your whole future nice and that was wonderful for me you know and I think like some people would be like but we don't do that with straight children well we can to do that, you know, and to be like, it just doesn't happen necessarily in the same way. Because mm-hmm. Great children want not like come out right to their parents, like, and say, "Oh, I like a boy for the first time." It's like, yeah, oh. but maybe they can, and maybe say, "Great, that's how you're feeling now." If that ever changes, I don't want you to feel like you have to hide that from me. I'm going to be supportive of whatever. You decide, you know. And and question
0: like what what is it that they like? What is it that you like about that person? You know, because like I was saying before like a love is blind show where people should check it out. It's really cool because you start to see what people value in in their partner, what they value. Is it is it the material base? Do you like the way that person talks? Do you like the way that person makes you feel? Do you like what the person has? Do you like the way that person treats you? Like having questioning your child saying so you you went on a date with so-and-so last night how was it what did you like what did you not like was there a conversation that you you know wanted to expand on like just kind of encouraging your child to think more about why they like that person Yeah. yeah just to challenge
1: it yeah exactly and though and and i mean we have not even gotten all the way through all the topics we want to talk about. i know i know we'll it's have great. to come back we'll have to
0: come back totally I, I would love to know the scientific reasoning behind why is it that when we become insaturated or in love with someone or passionate we lose intelligence oh
1: i have a slide for you <laughs> there's four parts of the brain that shut down okay.
0: so also oh really yep. yes please so do
1: We can, we'll make that a post. A (laughs)
0: hundred percent. Great Great conversation. Yes, Anceles, thank you so much. I ask all of our listeners, please think about what does spiritual parenting mean to you? Because whatever it is, just seek it, ask for it, and do whatever it takes to make you shine brighter every day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Star Parent Podcast. We're so blessed to have you with us. Uh, We're on social media, so find us on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Your encouragement allows us to just keep flourishing as we are. Um, We are so thankful. Have a great day.